It's Juneteenth, which means it's 155 years since Black people in Texas were first told, by the way, Lincoln says you're free. She's a rapper, a politician, a PhD candidate, and here with us today, she's Lingua Franca. And we've got the stars and creators of AMC's Sherman Showcase, Bashir Salahuddin and Diallo Riddle with us as well. The date, June 19th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hello, friends. I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. Happy Juneteenth, Casey. Happy Juneteenth, Hayes. Today we have a special episode in celebration of Juneteenth. We have so much lined up for you guys. Special guests, music, games, history. The works. We spared no expense, (laughs) which say we paid as little expense as we could for this episode. (laughs) I, I have to say, I don't remember when I first learned of the existence of Juneteenth at all. Like, I feel like it was one of those things that I probably saw on Wikipedia. It's like, oh, that's interesting. But I was never really taught it. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, I wasn't taught it either. I, I'm pretty sure I saw it, you know, a couple years ago, like on social media and then had to look it up because again, was not taught it in school. Which also means I have never celebrated Juneteenth. And this year was supposed to be a, you know, real banger of a year. Like in years past, I had like, you know what? Yeah, this will be the year. We'll actually do something for it. And then didn't happen. So this year was going to be the year and then pandemic times. Yay. (laughs) So are you going to do anything to celebrate? Uh, Aside from this very special episode, uh, (laughs) well, more and more companies have decided to say, well, you know what? We can't do anything about cops killing people. So Take the day off, Mm -hmm. including BuzzFeed.com, the internet website. So I am going to be chilling for most of this day. Good, as you should. Thank you. So clearly none of us were taught enough about Juneteenth in school. So today's TLDR is more like TBDL. Too black, didn't learn. Because school systems are what? Racist. That said, here are some facts you need to know about Juneteenth that you probably were not taught in school. So first off, the name, Juneteenth, as you might have guessed by now, is a combination of the words June and 19th, hence Juneteenth. It's called that because it's a celebration of the date when enslaved people in Texas found out that they were free, June 19th, 1865. Now, some of you history nerds out there might be thinking, wait a minute, that is two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. That was 1863, and you are absolutely right. Good job, nerds. Even though the Emancipation Proclamation was signed then, they weren't exactly posting it up in Confederate territory for Black people to be tricked into showing they could read. It wasn't until Major General Gordon Granger and his Union soldiers landed in Galveston, Texas, that they learned that the Emancipation Proclamation had even been issued. Another thing to note, the proclamation only freed slaves in states that rebelled against the Union. That did not include border states looking at you, Kentucky. It was only when the 13th Amendment was passed in December 1865 that freedom was recognized for all formerly enslaved people in all states. Anyway, uh, back to Juneteenth. Sorry for the history diversion there. The earliest official celebration was held the very next year in Galveston in what they called Jubilee Day. The practice, though, more or less died out in the South during the Jim Crow era, and to be honest, a lot of people kind of forgot it existed. In 1980, though, Texas fittingly became the first state to name Juneteenth as an official holiday. Since then, the day's popularity has only grown, especially after ABC's Blackish aired an acclaimed episode focused on the holiday back in 2017. 
That was a great episode. And also, I just want to point out, it took until 1980 to get it to be an official holiday. Okay. Right. <laughs> official state holiday. Still not a federal yeah. holiday yeah. yet. Correct. Very correct. So get on it, Congress. Please make this a thing. I got to say, one of the things that came up while we were looking up stuff for this episode was something that I'd never really seen pointed out, which is there's an exception to the 13th Amendment. There's a clause in there that says slavery still kind of okay in the U.S. And that's in cases of uh, imprisonment and, you know, being convicted of crimes. Technically, if you're enslaved in that period and put to work, that's fine. Of course, there's a clause, Hayes. Of Of course. Of course there is. (laughs) And apparently only Colorado has voted to abolish slavery that is still in place via the exception clause. And that didn't happen until 2018, two years ago. (laughs) Oh, boy. Everyone's doing great. Oh, okay. Last thing. Last thing. No, Uh, I don't like the tone in your voice. (laughs) uh, You should not like the tone in my voice because it turns out the president, now that he knows that Juneteenth is a thing, wants people to thank him for making (gasps) Juneteenth a thing. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. You heard that right. He was talking to the Wall Street Journal and he said that a black secret service agent told him the meaning of Juneteenth because he was supposed to be holding a rally today in Tulsa, Oklahoma that they had to move to tomorrow. Apparently, according to Trump, this Secret Service agent told him about it. And so they moved the date. And he said, quote, I did something good. I made Juneteenth very famous. It's actually an important event, an important time, but nobody had ever heard of it. Oh, my God, his brain. Okay, Hayes, that was great retelling of that. Thank you for that. Uh, Brought literal tears to my eyes. Thank you, Mr. President. Salute. Speaking of history, our first special guest today is a hip-hop artist and politician who is making history every single day. All right, y'all. We are so excited to have the talented Linqua Franca, a.k.a. Mariah Parker, with us today. Hey! Hey! Mariah here. What up? Mariah is a rapper from Athens, Georgia, and the host of a new podcast called Waiting on Reparations. Great name on that. She also just happens to be an elected county commissioner and a PhD candidate in linguistics. Mariah, seriously, someone with a resume like that, thank you so much for joining us for this special Juneteenth episode. Yeah, no doubt. It's a pleasure to be here. We're really, really excited to have you perform for us. But first, really quick, we got to know you're a rapper, you're a politician, you're a podcast host, you're a PhD candidate, you're a teacher, you're an organizer. How are you doing all of these things? Um, I Well, I try to tell people that self-compassion is really critical for like moving, continuing moving forward and keeping the momentum going. If I quit any time that things didn't go my way or every any time I messed up or something didn't turn out perfect, like I wouldn't, it was, the fight would have been over a long time ago. And so time management, sure. Self-compassion, even more critical. Well, goddamn, that was like a whole ass like psychology lesson too. Are you also majoring in that? <laughs> Not yet. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. What to, what to you? <laughs> okay, so you have kindly agreed to spit some bars for us here today. Anything you want to say beforehand as an introduction to the piece you're doing? Well, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about stuff I've been working on in Athens regarding uh, reimagining public safety, aka defunding the police. You know, I think that if we invest in uh, community supports to help people secure their well-being, we can see a drop in crime rate and lessen the need for police. 
Um, you know, take for example, Fernando, he works his ass off from nine to five at the plant just to keep his finances handled. Here's mysterious voices that telling him to kill himself, but otherwise he's doing fine. A pretty brilliant bill of health. A daughter on the honor roll is heart and soul, a goddess. So he calls her while he's almost home while signing his Honda, but a wand of marijuana smoke to trying to cope with what he told the officers who stopped him while he's on patrol. But now he's in the system and his sisters and his aunties are looking after his daughter and they wonder how he's going to eat. Voices used to whisper. Now they start to scream, needed to see a doctor or not a box that's into block and concrete. What is justice? For whom is it constructed? The mightiest, the millionaires, the lowly, and the luckless? What is justice? For whom is it constructed? Is it for healing the hurting or dealing sucker punches? Folks like Fernando out there who just need to see a mental health counselor, maybe get some substance abuse treatment instead of getting locked up. We actually get people like Fernando the supports that they need to thrive. What we need the police for in the first place. So that's kind of what I'm working on here on the political side of things in Athens. But it requires a lot of self-love and self-care. This has been a mess so long, we forgot the meaning of cleaning. Only magic could patch it up, so we dreaming a genie. Which I mean, let me dream in a freedom, but freedom is fleeting. But which I mean, between seeing people beaten and bleeding on our TVs, on the daily, on the weekly. I'm just trying to relax a bit, crack a paps and watch some videos of cats and shit, wishing these idiots in Athens would quit with the classism. But I'm really the shitty activist because everyone want to complain about the state of the system, congratulate themselves on Facebook for paying attention. And homie, I know you're right, but if nobody mobilizes a noble fight shit, we stay in slaves for a century. And I wish simply giving a shit would fix it. I wish giving a shit was as simple as whistling Dixie. The only way I had to fix it was cashing my chips in. So I guess to fix the system, first I have to fix me. So next week is going to beat the rest of them. I'm waking up at seven, stretching and eating vegetables. Could be in my demons. Could never be fearsome as feeding them and feeling them beating up on my eardrums. So you got to get that stretching in. You got to eat that broccoli. You got to get that eight hours of sleep at night. And once you have all those things in place... You know, you might be seeing bad signals up in the Gotham skies. A lot of mass niggas talking shit when they names anonymized. And I'm not the type to type a knock. Fuck what you thought online. Got the gunner pin. So I could grasp triggers like Private Ryan. But I prefer being the government. Make it swing to the left like a conga line as we usher in the forgotten kinds. The blacks and Latinx, the younger kids. And the wonder women who be running women to restructure systems like our justice system. Reproductive issues getting undermined. Might have been under the Reagan administration. Never undermined. A lot of relationships between the church and the state, the boss and the laborers, the cops and the neighbors, the doctors and laypersons, blacks and the bankers, the gays and the cake bakers, us and the nation. Cauterize it, then to call it fine. It's like calling a broccoli cauliflower, like apples and oranges. Next thing you know, it's a riot outside from New York to New Orleans. But look, bottom line is that bottom up, coast to coast, it's a lot of us. If 109 ran for officers, we could seize the power and resolve the shit. I was never the ideal candidate, but I'll die before I kneel candidly. So I'm handing you what was handed me. If you ain't running, if you really stand in me, because I can't do this by myself. We got to get rested up. And we don't just need to go out and vote. We need to get out and get people running for these offices. Because if I can do it, man, Hayes, when are we putting you on the ballot? Casey, when are we getting you on the ballot? For real. In closing, I will say, you know, if America's scared of us, it's only fair because you got to crack a couple legs to make an omelet. The trauma is disproportionately distributed upon the darker skin. It ain't going to get any better from watching Dr. Phil vanish in the flash of fairy dust or will the way by optimism like the Sagittarius or lifted off by low swing and coming forward to carry its chariots or charities jizzing when niggas think of very, very, very much. It's walking down every street, knocking on every door, telling the neighborhood we ain't taking it anymore, restoring the civil rights of every felon that you know, get them registered to vote and had telling it to the polls because if your senator won't say that black lives matter to that guy but bye and get the fuck up off my ballot the day we organize it more than we complain about it it's hayes and casey for president and lingua in the cabinet <laughs> amazing so Yo. good uh, i 
I was listening to you do that, and all I, there's so much Southern rap influence in what you do. I was hearing old school Andre 3000. I was hearing of mod, maybe. all of that in there, and it was just that was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think like studying studying the rhymes of folks like Andre Three Stacks or Big Boy. Or, you know, even from across the country, folks like J. Cole or Kendrick or Aesop Rock is a very important part of my craft. And so, like, noticing, like, huh, they employ slant rhyme in this way. Or, huh, they put triplets in these places. Or, huh, they do this multisyllabic thing every other bar like this. And, like, you know, kind of like taking notes in the margins a little bit so that when, it's, when I sit down to convey my messages of the political vision that I want to see enacted in our country... Like, you know, it's leaning on the legacy of folks that came before me in the, in, the tech, in a very technical way from a linguistic standpoint. How do you decide what you're writing or rapping about and how influenced is it by your work and vice versa? It's definitely becoming increasingly influenced by my work. When I started out, I was just telling stories about my struggles with mental illness, with substance abuse, my, you know, bouncing around the healthcare system with various problems. Uh, I was just telling my stories because I was pissed off and needed to get them off my chest. But increasingly, I found that, like, it's really important to use this platform to mobilize people to action, to participate in general strikes, to get out and vote, to participate in boycotts, to take to the streets, to run for office. And so um, I, it's, all of it has always come from a place of anger and, a, and like a desire for healing and a need for catharsis to just like get these things off my chest so that I can sleep at night. And it remains the case, even though I'm rapping about more systemic issues than I perhaps was in 2017. But it's that catharsis that drives me. I want, I'm mad that, you know, folks at Amazon warehouses are contracting COVID. And so I need to sit down and write a rap about a general strike to like get that off my chest. I'm mad that well, we're, we have to choose between two old white men <laughs> And I want to rap about the importance of, you know, pushing politics leftward to just be able to sleep, be able to breathe, be able to eat. So basically a second ago, you just gave us a whole ass English lesson with the slant rhyme, etc. And as we mentioned before, you are a teacher. Juneteenth yes. is not something that we're really taught in school. When did you first learn about it? I first learned about Juneteenth like four years ago. I'm, right? not, even tr- I'm not even trying to like when I became an adult. I learned about Juneteenth and don't even like, you know, like I don't, don't always celebrate it, you know, like I'm excited to celebrate it with the upcoming, you know, having a block party in my district and there's a general strike going on. So participating in those ways. Uh, but yeah, like it wasn't a part of my like education. So how did you feel when you first learned about this whole ass holiday that nobody told you about before? It's funny that like, it didn't even hit me. It's like, damn, how the hell I didn't know about that? Because we're so used to like marginalizing black history that in my own head, I had internalized that. So even in my own head, I was like, Oh, a black holiday. That's cute. Like, you know, oh, like, snap. Mm. you know what I mean? Like, cause, cause we, we internalize so much you know, of racism, white supremacy that I have that same sort of reaction that like other people might have when they're towards like, say Kwanzaa mm. towards say Kwanzaa. Yeah. And so it's only like very recently that I was like, nah, man, Juneteenth is where it's at. Like, yes, we need to get out there and like come together as a community and celebrate our history and educate people about our history um, to like sh- shrug off some of those remnants of like internalized racism that I have. Okay. Last thing before we let you go, you host a new podcast called Waiting on Reparations. Can you tell us about it? Sure. So it's hosted with my roommate, Mac, aka Dope Knife. 
Um, one of the most prolific and astounding freestyle rappers in the game, as well as a really talented visual artist and illustrator. And then, you know, my perspectives as a politician that's also a rapper and an organizer. Um, so we talk about the ways that hip hop has influenced public policy. If you look back to like the 90s crime bill and the way that gangster rap influenced that, the way that hip hop artists are pushing uh, messages of social change ahead in their music today, as well as the ways that public policy have influenced hip hop. So anything from mass incarceration to the labor movement to, you know, um, sex work, the ways that policy around these things have impacted black folks in the hip hop community, especially. So we explore all those kinds of topics. This week, we're talking, taking a look at the definition of racism and the power of language in shaping our political reality. Um, we did a recent episode on COINTELPRO and the ways that the FBI has infiltrated black cultural organizations and revolutionary movements. And so there's a lot of political education and history education in there for folks that are either, you know, interested in hip hop or interested in politics. Well, honestly, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be listening and happy Juneteenth to you. Happy Juneteenth to y'all too. Coming up after the break, we're joined by stars and creators of Sherman Showcase, Bashir Salahuddin and Diallo Riddle. Stay tuned for the rest of our special Juneteenth episode. SheFit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay We fight for the people cause they got us in the worst way From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye From the left enclave to what the neocons say Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation And, and break us off with some bread cause we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my God, I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey everybody, Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show, and I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me. Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played with Chuck Bass. I just can't believe that I did that with my life. Jay, we had like the most amazing time. Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to our special Juneteenth episode. We are so excited for our next guests, Bashir Salahuddin and Diallo Riddle. They are writers, creators, and stars of the comedy series Sherman Showcase, which is a true 
fever dream of black excellence. <laughs> and on the occasion of Juneteenth, the show is returning with a special Sherman Showcase Black History Month spectacular in June. Bashir, Diallo, thank you for joining us. Bashir, especially you, because I know you're on your phone right now. <laughs> really appreciate you guys taking the time. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. I, I, I want to start right off with a correction. It's not a fever dream. It's more of an opium dream. Mm. <laughs> so for those who haven't seen it, Sherman Showcase is a scripted sketch series that basically acts like a highlight reel for a fictional variety show that's kind of like Soul Trade meets In Living Color meets The Eric Andre Show. So in addition to tonight's special, your show has just been renewed for a second season. Congratulations. Yes. You guys. Oh, thank you so Sweet. much. Yeah, we, uh, we couldn't be happier. There are um, so many layers to your show. How did you come up with the concept for Sherman Showcase and refine it to be this fun? I think one of our biggest inspirations for the show uh, was The Muppet Show. And mm-hmm. it's just a, a place of just sort of crazy, wild mm-hmm. energy that felt both young, but also really sort of like, uh, 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 you know, well curated. Like they really thought a lot about what they did. And, you know, it, it showed in the fandom and it showed in like how much people love it. And, and we're trying to, trying to aim at that. We're trying to make this show that is crazy and wild, but we put so much energy into it. And we really hope the fans appreciate it. Also, I'd throw out Pee Wee's Playhouse, the uh, show that was very formative in our youth <laughs> in terms of thinking that a show could be really quirky and weird, but also like really fun. I love how much Black history you you two pack into this Juneteenth special and honestly, your show in general. During one bit, Downtown Addies, which was a parody of Downton Abbey set in the Harlem Renaissance, I had to stop and Google shit while watching it. How much of the stuff you wrap in is research you do for the show versus stuff that you just know and think would be really funny to talk about? Well, if y'all got his degree in history, um, you know, I got my degree in government slash political science. So I think there's always been like a sort of natural interest in politics and in history that just, you know, it's who we are as people. That stuff was just there. But I think, you know, what you what you talk about actually goes to a larger point I was going to make, which is that Sherman Showcase for us, you know, is really a chance to live in the idea that you can't put black folk in a box. And what I mean by that is like, you know, there's a lot of like walls and there's a lot of people saying, oh, you know, this is something that black people will watch or something black people won't watch. And we sort of reject that. We say, look, you can't look at a person, especially at their race and know what their interests are, right? That's sort of impossible. Each of us is different. Each of us has had our own pathway to get where we are. Sherman Showcase thrives because it's me and Diallo's It's this big toolbox for people who like stuff like The Simpsons and The Muppet Show and The Pee-wee's Big Adventure and, you know, like the Ben Stiller's movies and, what, you know, whatever those different interests are, they're all in there. And so there's some overlap. There's stuff that he likes more and I like more. But specifically with Down Natty, you know, Diallo is a huge history buff and we've been talking for years about doing something around the Harlem Renaissance. And then when we brought to the writer room, you know, what you see on, you know, in that sketch kind of manifested naturally from his interests and from the work of our writers. And also, if, you, if, if, you, if you're like me and you spend hours on a, what I call a Wikipedia surf, where like you look up one thing and then you see a link and you're like, I've always heard about that, but what's the deal with that? Uh, there's a depressing, there's a de- deep dive, there's a depressing page about um, all the jazz greats who've never been represented on film or in on any TV show. And like, given the number of people who've played like Jim Morrison, it's just depressing to think that there's so many jazz greats who've never been depicted. And so originally this sketch was going to be much more broad. We had like a Count Basie. We had, um, we had a lot of roles that we ended up walking away from just because there was no way to sort of put something funny into 15 different characters' voices into like a two-minute sketch. So we ended up landing on uh, Paul Robeson, Adelaide Hall, 
uh, Zora Neale Hurston and Duke Ellington, and those were our core four. And so those were the Harlem Renaissance characters that we focused on. I mean, like, let's be clear. Our first mission is always to be funny, but along the way, we always want to go to those uh, areas that we feel like no other sketch show, black, white, or anything would ever go towards. And that's the kind of stuff that we're so proud when you look at this special. And also, props to John Legend. We told him he was going to play Duke Ellington, and he came through and he crushed it. Like, we were able to give him jokes on the spot. He came up with melodies on the spot. He's singing. He's funny. You know, the man has a monopoly on so many talents, and uh, it's just not fair. It isn't. For this special, was it a part of the gag that it would drop in June for Juneteenth? Or did you just look up one day and realize, oh, no, this is not going to be done by February? Funny story behind that. No, you know what happened was uh, at some point the uh, head of AMC, because uh, we've always been an IFC show, but this was going to be the first time that we were going to be on AMC and IFC, and season two will be on both. But they were like, we'd love to do a special with you guys in 2020. And we were like, oh, well, let's do a, let's do a Black History Month special in February. And then at some point they were like, hey, guys, so here's the deal. February's <laughs> full. <laughs> Anytime someone says, here's the deal, it's never like, here's the deal. More good stuff. You know, it's always like... So apparently February was full. And they're like, but what if we do a special in June? And Bashir and I conferred and we're like, let's just call it the Black History Month Spectacular dot 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 in June. We thought that would be really funny. Thought that was like so subversive. And then the world happened. Yes. And as yep. early as like mid-May, people were already like, we need to make June you know, it's already Black Music Month. We need to make that a second Black History Month. And I feel like what better, I mean, like, I would never say something like what better timing when you've lost so much life in the pandemic and, and the demonstrations, you know, which are which are good. But, you know, like there's so much going on in the world. But I will say we are very grateful to be a part of the discussion at a time like this. If we come out in February, people would have already moved on with their lives. I think that, you know, now is the time that, there is a place to celebrate our culture and to celebrate the things that we can actually laugh at. And, you know, dance is a major part of our show. And so we have songs and, and, and dancers, you know, celebrating that part of the culture. I, 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 in some ways, we feel like the universe had Juneteenth pick us, uh, which is really just nuts. Juneteenth landed on you. <laughs> Juneteenth landed on us. And we're grateful. So, so I got to know, what is the your favorite sketch that you put into this special? Uh, because up there for me was, I got to know, uh, sorry for the spoilers, there's a bit where you guys mentioned kente cloth a lot, and I couldn't help but think about the Democrats <laughs> no on the Hill. No, we can talk about it. We can talk about it. Um, Bashir's sister, Zuri Salahuddin, is one of our writers. Um, with that, some Kinte, she came to us again with a melody that we loved, but we didn't have a subject matter. And I'll never forget, we were sitting in the writer's room for a solid half hour, lots of pregnant pauses, lots of you know people sitting in silence trying to think of a funny subject matter for the song. And then out of nowhere, Bashir was just like, uh, what about add some Kinte? And sometimes you hear an idea and you're immediately like, oh, this is a great idea for a song. So at that point, we wrote the lyrics, and separately, just completely aside from that, uh, you know, I do a lot of DJing. I, I, I've made friends with uh, Viceroy, who's like a house 
DJ slash remixer. And he had sent over a song that I had requested. I was like, I really want to do a house song for the Black History Month special. And he had sent a song and we, we took, uh, we took Zuri's melody and we took Viceroy's production and we merged them into this song that by, you know, we could have never known how timely it would seem when we wrote it in October of last year. You know, we never would have known that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer would be rocking Kente cloth in the halls of Congress. But then people think that you came up with it on the spot because they're like, oh, I get it. It's the House of Representatives and it's house music. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't even that's make we that were fucking thinking. connection. <laughs> no, Bashir. I blew my mind. Uh. I mean, the Internet is brilliant. They, they figure out connections you could never, ever come up with on your own. Bashir, what about you? Favorite sketch from this special? Well, you know, uh, like Diallo often says, and that's mostly because he has three three boys and I, I have one child, but he's always like, well, you can't ask favorite sketch because it forces you to pick between your children. But that being said, uh, I will be picking between my children because hot take, hot take. Here we go. I, I, I feel like, I, you know, I think they're all so funny. They're all so great. There's so many wonderful things. I love Get Your Boy, which is literally mm. like this phrase that people say, but we turned it into like, and Diallo's uh, nephew. Excuse me, his, his, uh, My nephew produced the song, produced a, a classic 2000 snap song <laughs> in, the, in the spirit of T Pain. So I love that as something that you can't, you know, it's one of those things that no other TV show can do. But that being said, also, I think for me, one of the most special moments is journalist uh, Jamel Hill. You know, she's a real outspoken uh, person on social issues. And she was a big fan of our show, and she thought it was so funny. And so we reached out to her and asked her to come, you know, kind of do a bit on the show. And she was really game for it, and she showed up. And so I think that, for me, was a real special moment when somebody who I admire uh, also admired our work, and we were able to work together. So earlier in the show, Hayes and I were talking about how we didn't learn about Juneteenth in school, like, at all. Do you guys remember when you first learned about Juneteenth? We have very different experiences with uh, Juneteenth. I grew up on the south side of Chicago, went to a magnet school where you're supposed to be like, oh, this is, you're going to learn everything here. Never heard about Juneteenth. It wasn't until I went to college and I'd actually met, you know, some kids from Texas. I think it actually started in Texas mm-hmm. that they were talking about it. And I was blown away. Like, what is this thing? You know, it's sort of embarrassing for me to feel like I didn't learn about this gigantic thing until, you know, I was almost 20 years old. But I think that just goes to show that, like, not all of our history is in the history books. And you, Diallo? Well, I, I, I was a weird kid in the, growing up in the South. And growing up in the South, you always pass those placards and signs of, like, you know, here was the Battle of Sandtown Road. Like, you know, there's just all these markers around the South in Atlanta where I grew up. And um, so I always had an interest in the Civil War and Reconstruction. And so I, I did know what Juneteenth was. And I think that might also just be a... a something that you're aware of in the South, you know? Um, yeah, it's anyway. And are you guys doing anything to celebrate aside from watching your very own special? Yes. Yes. Can I talk about that? So we always wanted to make sure the music was excellent. Um, and we went to, you know, I, I, I went to Diplo's label, Matt Deese, and I was like, look, we're putting out this TV series that's going to have music that's really, really good, and we want to we want to work with you guys on releasing it. They were immediately into it, Diplo and his crew. They never they never pushed us into making it more of a Matt Deese and Diplo sound. Like, they were just like, do the music that you guys like to do. And so as soon as the, um, the second airing, at from 11 to 12 midnight, 
uh, on the East Coast, I guess that would make it eight to nine on the West Coast. As soon as that's done, I'm going to go live on Mad Decent's Twitch page and DJ uh, until I pass out. I mean, just, hey. literally just <laughs> DJ the music of Sherman Showcase, the music that inspired it. Um, that's going to be on Twitch, on the Mad Decent Twitch page from, like I said, midnight slash 9 p.m. through the night. So come join us, dance with us. Um, I might even put the Zoom link on my Instagram page, and if you log into that, then we'll we'll throw your picture up on the uh, on the Twitch. Amazing on the Twitch. <laughs> I sound like I sound like Grandpa. We're gonna throw your picture up on the Twitch. <laughs> I wanted to say the Twitch feed, but I just I I ended the sentence. You panicked is what you did. <laughs> uh, Bashir Diallo, are you guys down to play a quick game with us before we let you go? Oh man, games? Yes. Definitely. Excellent. <laughs> okay, so we're going to play a game that we're calling Inside the Blackter's Studio. Here's how this is going to work. We're going to give each of you the name of a black movie star. After that, you have 30 seconds to name as many movies that they've acted in as you can. Are you ready for this? Diallo, you're up first. Your person is Denzel Washington. And go. Okay. uh, Glory. Training Day. Uh, What's that movie called? Oh, God. I'm already losing. Um, (laughs) uh, Book of Eli. And um, oh, my goodness. This should not be the Mo Better Blues. Malcolm X. um, Synchronicity. Is he in that? Synchronicity. Is that a movie? Um, uh, Gosh, come on, Riddle. Time's ticking away, man. I'm blanking now. Malcolm X 2. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Return of the Muslim. Um, time. I'm calling it time. God damn it. I should have killed time. that category. I can't believe I blanked so hard. That was a sneak, that, that, that's also, folks, a sneak preview to how I'm going to be answering this question. <laughs> By the way, tomorrow morning in the shower, I'm going to have every answer you guys ask me right now. But right clearly. I'm going to let's, let's just do it, man. This is All right. Way. I couldn't even All say right. the Pelican Grief or, or, or no, Pelham one, two, three. It's I mean, called, come on. That was terrible. Bashir, you only have to beat four. No. <laughs> no, hold on. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to recount mine. I know which ones we'll, I said. We'll recount. We'll do a recount, but we'll see. Okay. Bashir, you have Taraji P. Henson. And go. Um, hidden <laughs> Figures. <laughs> baby Boy. Huh. Um, uh, 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 big, big, big Mama. Um, uh, uh, Hustle and the Flow. Um... Uh, Doing great. I need one. I need one. I, need one <laughs> I said five for the record. I said five. Oh. <laughs> I said four. No, five. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> time. So, I'm calling uh, time. time. I'm calling it. I almost had it. I was going to say uh, uh, Empire the Movie. <laughs> that doesn't count. That's a bullshit. Get out of here. Okay. I, I, I got five. I just went to the episodes of Empire. I'm not, I'm not going to count that. Let, let us consult with our producers to make sure. I got to find. No, seriously. I said Book of Eli, yep. Malcolm X, mm-hmm. uh, Mo Better Blues, Glory, and Training Day. That's five. So oh. I got five. 
Yeah. You know what? You are the winner. Congratulations, yes. Diallo. You have Finally. won. You have bragging rights. Uh, thank you guys both so much for the first and probably only edition of Inside the Blackdoor Studio. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, you thank can you. watch You can watch Sherman's Showcase Black History Month Spectacular in June tonight at 10 p.m. on AMC and 11 p.m. on IFC. Happy Juneteenth. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. That's it for today. Join us next week for when we go back to talking about white people drama. You think I'm joking. And remember, just because you didn't learn it in school doesn't mean there's not at least 20 podcasts you can listen to and learn about it. News O'Clock is produced by Dan Bauza, Hiba Elorbani, Alan Haverchak, and Sierra Tall. Special thanks to Tracy Ayers, Mangesh Atikater, Samantha Hennig, Patrick McMiniman, and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over, the new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today. At our award-winning and fully accredited treatment centers on the Eastern Shore and in Southern Maryland, you will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. You will also benefit from specialized programs, 24-hour medical care, and the comfort of our outstanding facilities. Let us help you. We will answer your call 24-7 and can get you into treatment as soon as today. If outpatient care is right for you, you can receive a same-day assessment and attend therapy in person or virtually. And because we accept most private insurance plans, you get premium care without the premium price. Don't wait. Start your new year. Start your new life today. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council.